Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Well, amen, and... We, we do come to the time in our services in the midst of remembering our living hope as we hear the living word of God and we stand as a way to honor God's word. And so today our scripture comes from 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 and we'll go through chapter 2 verse 2. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is appropriation for our sins and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, we do. We pray for your goodness. We pray that this word um, would just settle in our hearts and dwell with us deeply. So God, wherever we are, whatever is going on, Lord, may your truth and may your peace and may your love and mercy and justice be upon us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we, as we begin this, I would, I'm going to invite you to get out a piece of paper or get out your phone, something, because I'm going to ask you to take a, a few notes. My only thing is if you get out your phone, like don't be looking about the like games later on today, all right? Stay focused in your note section, all right? Um, but I want to start out because I think any sermon series on forgiveness should be practical, and it should be pointed as to what is um, really going on in our hearts and lives, not just a theory, but very practical. So here's what I want you to, to get your notes out with and to answer this question. Who are you mad at today? A nice, easy one to get going. Who are you mad at today? Maybe it's something that happened a long time ago, a family member who abused you and still the thought of that person, some smell will remind you and that feeling still springs up. Maybe it's what happened on the way to church this morning, and you're like, I can't believe my kid said that on my way to church. I'm mad at my kid right now. I'm mad at my parent right now. Maybe it's just somebody at work. Maybe it's a friend. Who are you mad at today? Because my hope is that as we begin this series, um, and that as we take this journey of forgiveness, that we're going to begin to understand how to forgive those people that we're mad at. Whether it's a big thing or a little thing, we're going to have to take that journey together. Now, the second question is similar, maybe harder. Who is mad at you today? Who's the people who are just like, I can't believe them. They're so hypocritical. I bet they're at church right now. 
They, They only know what they did. Who is it that is carrying you around as an answer to that first question. And, and kids, we invite you in, in box one to write someone that you are mad at today. It is normal for all of us to, be, to feel offense and then to carry that around with us, that we carry this pain, we carry the brokenness, we carry the bitterness. And so as we begin our sermon series, Dare to Forgive, and 2021 for us is the year of courage, it is really all about that forgiveness is such a courageous step of faith. And that for us, if we're really going to follow Jesus, then, it, then really forgiveness is one of the key center points, receiving and giving forgiveness. In fact, forgiveness is the foundation of our faith. The whole story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is centered on his mercy and justice, that, that here our story is about forgiveness. And so we're going to take this journey. I was initially going to have it be four weeks. I think it's going to take a little bit longer, but really, normally I like to have things planned out um, and really well organized, but I'm just, the more I study into this world of forgiveness, there's so many different aspects of it, but it's so crucial, and I want us to remember and to take this journey together. And here's what I believe, is that the theory of forgiveness is not going to heal us, but the practice of it will. The theory of forgiveness, and we're going to spend time talking about the theory of forgiveness because we got to lay the groundwork for what's coming up, but the theory of it is not going to be it, but it is a practical aspect of it. And so what I'm going to invite us to do throughout this series is to make it personal and to make it practical. And and one of the ways that I want to help frame that is is to, again, help us with some of the practical aspects. Now, um, I want to make a distinction that one of the books brought out, and I really thought it was interesting, um, because one of the people who we may be mad at today is actually God. And so the question that that he, he asked in the book was, can we forgive God? Like, God hasn't done anything wrong. Well, could, like, do we need to forgive God? And, and then he made this distinction between wrongs and hurts. And I think this is really a good way to think about things. That wrongs, and this is my definition, it may change a little bit, but wrongs are intentional acts by others that have caused you harm. Is that there are things that people have done that have wronged you. Um, and, and as I've said before, I don't know your story, but I know that you have one. And, and that, that somewhere in your story is somebody who intentionally wronged you they did something that brought you harm and knowing would do that. Um, and I'm so sorry that happened to you. All right? But we also don't just carry wrongs around, but we also carry hurts around. And, and, and what those would be more is non-intentional acts or events that have caused you harm. Maybe, maybe your house got uh, leveled by a tornado uh, many years ago, and, and anytime you hear that siren at noon on Saturday, your heart still jumps and you still feel the bitterness. And you may be angry at God or nature or something and you carry that around. And so that forgiveness is about our wrongs and our hurts. It's all this brokenness and pain that we bring everywhere we go. And what we do with that pain determines our future. And so our pain will either be a festering wound that never gets better or a healed scar. It'll either be a festering wound that will continue to bother us for the rest of our lives And we probably can all point to somebody that we know that has such bitterness in their heart because they've never recovered from their wounds and hurt that that everybody can see they're hurting except for them. But we also know people who have gone through terrible things, who have been hurt 
and who've been harmed and who've been wounded in such ways, but yet it has become a scar that their story did uses to become a healing grace for other people. And so what you do with your pain and what God does in the midst of our lives is so incredibly important for the rest of your lives. It's either going to be a festering wound or a healing scar, and we have a choice of what we're going to do. Now, this whole idea of forgiveness is really can be summed up in four words. Grace in, grace out. That, that, that for us to really get forgiveness, we have to understand that it's about what God has done for us, the grace that we have received, and also about thus also the grace that we give to others. Grace in, grace out. In fact, when we, uh, when we pray our, our Lord's Prayer, which I just realized I forgot to have us do um, uh, this morning, but typically when we pray our Lord's Prayer each and every Sunday, um, we say these words, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. All right, and that's about grace in, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Grace out. Grace in, grace out. And if we don't get this first part of how much grace and forgiveness and mercy we need from God, the grace out part will be practically impossible for us to do. And so today we're really going to begin with this idea of embracing grace. And, and I'm going to share one of my favorite quotes with you. You may have heard it before, but it's, it's this. It's from a pastor named Duke Kwan, and he says these words. It's impossible to really love someone if you secretly believe that they need Jesus more than you do. It's impossible to really love someone if you secretly believe that they need Jesus more than you do. And so if we can sit in this idea that, that at the foot of the cross we're all equals and that we all need this grace and that everybody is here together, we can find a way to love one another. But the moment I think I'm better than somebody, it becomes so difficult, if not impossible, to really forgive somebody. Now, um, so as I think about uh, forgiveness, um, I just can't help but think about how most of us learned how to forgive. Um, and, and so I would imagine, um, I'm not a, a teacher, but I can imagine this, a scene like this playing out um, in classrooms um, all everywhere, right? Because it happened in my classroom. So Timmy hits Jimmy, all right? And the teacher in the class uh, uh, hears Jimmy crying and, and goes and says, hey, Jimmy, what's going on? And what does he say? He hit me, right? Um, and what does Timmy do? No, I didn't, right? But then somebody in the back of the class was like, I saw it. Timmy totally slugged Jimmy, right? This is what happens. And so what do we as teachers, what do we as parents, what do we as people do? We say, Tim, we say Timmy hit Jimmy. We say, Timmy, did you really hit Jimmy? I should have like, given them like really different names, but I'm stuck with Timmy and Jimmy. So Timmy, did you really hit Jimmy? Yes, I did. All right. And so, um, and so well, then you need to say, you're sorry. I'm sorry. All right, Jimmy, what do you say? I forgive you. And this is our model of forgiveness that we carry with us. I'm sorry. I forgive you. But is that really the model that Jesus has for us? There's got to be so much more than that, right? And so kids, in box two, I invite you to draw someone really forgiving their friend. What does a real sorry and forgiveness look like in that way? Now, because for us, Again, grace in, we have to embrace the grace that God has given us. And so how do we do that? How do we practically and really embrace the grace that God has given us? And how do we realize what God has done for us? And so let me tell you all a story. And my family's watching at home. And so, uh, Micah, I want you to pay attention to this. This is really important for you. So when Micah was about two years old, we went, uh, it was in the wintertime, and we went to a hotel that had an indoor pool. 
And so we were really excited about, um, you know, going in the pool. Micah loved the water, but he couldn't swim. All right. And so Heather and I were, um, we, we go down to the pool and we decide we're going to put his life jacket on when we get down there to the pool. The thing we did not expect was what was about to happen. So I have one of his hands, Heather has the other one of his hands. We're walking into where the, the pool is. And what does Micah do? But he jumps out into, he breaks free and jumps into the water. And he instantly starts sinking, right? What do I do? I stand there frozen, not sure what to do. What does Heather do? She's a mom. She just jumps right in the pool, right? Just doesn't take a moment, gets there, and literally saves Micah's life. Literally, if, if she had not jumped, I probably would have gotten there eventually, all right? Um, but, but, like, he needs to know that his mom saved his life. You know, like, one of the things, being a, a parent, I'm just, like, looking at, like, man, you would have put so many things in your mouth, you would have touched so many outlets, and you would have crossed so many roads without looking both ways if it wasn't for me as a parent. Kids, you owe me your very life, Right? And then, of course, what I realized as an adult is that I owe my parents. I owe other people who looked out for me. You know, so often in the moment, we don't pay attention to the grace and the goodness that has been given to us. Instead, we focus on so many other things. All right? But, but part of, of, of our story is to embrace the grace and begin to understand all that God has done for us and understand what he's done and who he is. And so as, as we move forward, I, I, I really believe that how we see God and how we see ourselves has incredible impact on how we live in the world. How we see God and how we see ourselves has incredible impact in how we live in the world, and it becomes the lens in which we see everything else in the world through, all right? Now, I like charts sometimes, and so I'm, I'm going to show you a chart. And these are sort of extreme versions, but I think you'll probably find yourself somewhere in the chart. So can we, can we get my, our chart up here? All right, so on the bottom, all right, is how we see ourselves. So on one extreme, we're terrible. I'm no good. I'm awful. Um, I'm very bad. All right, and that some of, some of you live in this world of your negative self-talk and, and this negative idea that I'm no good to anybody. I'm terrible, I'm broken, and that's, that's not who God says you are. We're going to get to that. Um, but, but sometimes we find ourselves with such a pessimistic view of ourselves. Now, the other side of it is I'm amazing, all right? I am God's gift to the world, all right? Um, and there are some of us who are like, you know what? I am such a good person, and when, nothing, when anything bad happens, it's somebody else's fault. It's never my fault. I am amazing. So these are our extremes of how we perceive ourselves. Now, on the other side um, is how we view God. Some of us view God, God as sort of like this stern, strict, unrelenting judge, all right, who is just up there and who is just counting all of our wrongs. It's like, well, um, let's see here. It's already 8.30, and you said some words you shouldn't have when you slipped in the shower. Um, you uh, were not considerate um, this morning. Um, oh, my goodness, you drove and you cut somebody off, and that God is just giving us all these red check marks. And God is just up there, and it's just almost delighting in our failures. And so this is one of the perceptions that we have of God, as God is this unrelenting, stern judge, all right? Now, sometimes, some of us also view God as sort of this, like, doting grandparent, like, Santa Claus-type God who is just like, oh, aren't you so cute? Oh, it's not her fault that she did that. That's okay. Everything's okay. It doesn't matter what you do because Grandpa's here for you. 
So, so again, these are a little extreme, but I think we're going to find ourselves in one of these camps. And so um, in the first box, if you think that I'm terrible and God is stern and God is stern and strict, then you're going to view everything you do as a failure. You're never going to be enough because I'm a terrible person and God is judging me all the time. And so you walk around and, and you just are praying that God, Lord, um, I know you're judging me, but please just help me not to be too miserable today. And so is this who we're supposed to be? Is this how we're supposed to perceive the world? That God's a strict judge, I'm this terrible person, and that we constantly walk around as failures. Now, if you think that you're amazing and you think that God is strict, all right, then, then really you're going to come across arrogant, um, pompous, holier than thou, better than other people. Um, this is a very, in, if you, in the New Testament, there's talk about Pharisees who saw themselves as better than other people. And so they would look down on other people. Because what you're saying is, you know what, I'm amazing and I, I'm good, but look at all these other people. And, and they're going to get what's coming to them, not, not even seeing the log in our own eyes, instead seeing the specks and so, and so many else's. Now, if you believe, oh, I'm terrible, but God's doting and it doesn't matter what I do, all right, um, then what you're going to feel like is you're going to become spoiled because it doesn't matter what you do. God's just going to forgive you anyways. I mean, I remember when I was in high school and um, had some friends who were Catholic and they said, hey, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you go to confession, um, as long as you confess your sins and then get forgiveness from the priest, all's good. And I'm like, whoa, that's not what God wants, I don't think. Um, in fact, in Paul, one of Paul's letters, he says, should we sin more so that we can experience more grace? And his answer was by no means. All right. So that if, if we think, oh, I'm terrible, but it doesn't matter, we become spoiled. Now, if we think I'm amazing and God's doting, then we become entitled. Um, that everything we do is, is, is blessed and everything that we have, we are in the right and everybody, um, God's, so, God's so happy with me because I'm so amazing and I'm on top of the world and I am favored and all these other things. And so now again, these are little extreme examples, but my guess is, is that we can sort of lean into one or lean into another one. Now, the thing for us as people is that um, we don't just rely on our feelings, but we rely on the Word of God to teach us as to how we should see God and how we should see ourselves. Because the truth is not just one of these. In fact, people and God are actually more complex than that. I like to say that God is good, holy, loving, just, and merciful. And God is all of those all the time. That's only what God can be. It's his nature to be good, holy, loving, just, and merciful. And God has the ability to be merciful and just at the same time. I struggle with how that works. God can do it easily, all right? He does not struggle with being merciful and just at the same time. And the truth is that as humans, we are not terrible, nor are we amazing. We are both, all right? We are combinations of beautiful and horrific, great and awful, and that as we enter into seeing our story, then we are going to begin to understand more and more who God is, more and more what grace is, and more and more how we can receive forgiveness, how we can get the grace in so that we can share the grace out. And so I have a, a, a you've got a chart and a drawing. Consider yourself blessed today, y'all, um, because I want to show you this drawing of how I understand our theology of righteousness and forgiveness and grace, all right? So, in the beginning, there we are smiling, 
um, there's this idea of original blessing, all right? And that humanity, that's the person on the screen representing humanity, is in a right relationship with God. That's what that big word righteousness means, just a right relationship with God. And so in the beginning of our story was the original blessing. Um, And so in Genesis, in the creation story, when God created humanity, he said it was very good. The first words that God ever said about you or I is that you are very good. I want you to hear that very clearly. Scripture tells us that we are made in the image of God, that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. And not just us, but every person has this God spark and this God identity in them. There is not a person that you will see on TV, encounter at Walmart, or go to school with who does not have the image of God inside of them, the original blessing. Life is, we are created and we are very good. Everything else in creation was good. Humanity was very good. Original blessing. We are made in the image of God. Please hear this. Please know this. You are loved. You are beautiful. And God is so delighted that he made you. All right? But then we have this idea of original sin. And this separated us from God. And there is this fall that has happened. I mean, this is what we, we call it the fall. So I thought I'd give you an illustration of this is the fall. All right. And so that we begin to go downward and this has separated us from God. And so um, in the, in the story with Adam and Eve, it, it, there's a serpent that's in the garden and that says, you will be like God if you eat of this fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You will be like God. This is the temptation. All right. Of, of sin is to be like God, to have the power to have the role, to have control. You will be like God. And this sin, so when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, I say it infected and affected everything. And sin had entered into the world, and the image of God, which is in people, was corrupted. Now, it wasn't corrupted beyond repair, but it was fundamentally corrupted, and the world shifted, and brokenness and sin entered in. And it infects and affects everything. And the sin has separated us from God. And so it has impacted the world and it has impacted us individually. And we believe that we are born sinful. Now, this, this sometimes sets us, um, we don't always like this idea. All right, original blessing, then original sin. We all have this, what we would say, sin nature. All right, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not just some, but all of us have sinned. And the scripture is actually pretty harsh about the nature of humanity. In Genesis 6, it says these words, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And so what we realize is that we desperately need God. And that we have sinned and we have separated and we have broken this relationship. And that we are not good people. All right? We are sinful people. We have corrupted the image of God. And we need help. And if left to our own devices, there is no hope for humanity. If, it, if God had just got the ball rolling and said, good luck, we would continually destroy ourselves. All right? And, and again, I think that so often when I think about sinfulness, it's actually about, it begins with selfishness. Almost every time. Sinfulness begins with selfishness. And I see this with children, right? The first words that kids learn are no and mine. It's about my will being done. 
All right? No and mine. I used to think babies were sweet until I had some. And then I realized they're just selfish all the time. They want what they want and they're going to throw a fit till they get it, right? And aren't we the same way, right? Every inclination of their heart was only evil continually. So what happens? Do we just continue on this downward descent and on this fall? No, thank God. All right. And, and in fact, we, we, God has infused grace into this broken world in order to bring us back into a right relationship with God. Now, um, so for us, we understand this. I'm going to use a big word. It's called prevenient grace. All right. It's grace that prevents us from total and utter collapse. It prevents us from falling and destroying ourselves. And so the way I imagine it is sort of like trampolines, all right, is that we are falling and then God has put in these trampolines so that we have a chance to bounce back up and restore and get into a relationship with him. And so kids in box three, I invite you to draw a picture of some kids playing on a trampoline. And so this prevenient grace, and, and this is what I often call hindsight grace, where we look back and we say, oh, God, you were there. I didn't notice that. God, you were there, and I didn't realize that. And then sometimes we realize it. We say, God, I'm going to give you a try. I'm going to go to church today, and I'm going to see your faithfulness. Boy, you spoke to me. All right? Sometimes we put ourselves in position to really get the best bounce from that trampoline of grace. And we can look back and we say, God, you, you were there. Even though I had done nothing to deserve it, your, your grace was enough. And so we're bouncing up. But we still want to get into that righteousness state. His grace isn't enough. But instead, we have to choose and embrace grace in order to be in a right relationship with God. In order for us to cross the threshold, all right, and to get up into a right relationship with God, we have to embrace grace. And say, God, I am here for you. All right, and that we fall on our knees because Jesus has done the work to reconcile, to make us one with God. We'll probably talk about what Jesus did because it's amazing, all the stuff that he did. But we have to come to a place in which not just that we think, oh, grace is out there, but grace is out there for me and I need it. And so grace is not just something that flows through me, but again, it's something I have to hold on to. I have to feel it. I have to hold on to it. And so what this means is, is that for us to be in a right relationship with God is we have to do a couple things. We have to admit that we are fallen and we need a Savior and a Lord. We have to admit that, you know what, if, if it wasn't for the grace of God, then I would have fallen. But God has met me in my brokenness and in my darkness, and he has elevated me into a right relationship. He sent his son to die for me. We have to admit that, all right? And we have to believe in the goodness of God that God is merciful, and that God's will is to forgive us. He wants to forgive his children. I mean, what, what our scripture said today in James was, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if you're saying, well, grace is for other people. No, no, no. Grace is for all of us, all right? But here's the good news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because what happens is, is that as we're falling, um, and when we experience the forgiveness of sins, we believe that those sins are not part of us anymore. That as far as the east is from the west, so are our sins from us, that his grace is truly amazing, and more than you and I can imagine. And what we have to do as people is, is that we have to repent. We have to truly say that we're sorry 
Now, it's not the schoolyard, sorry. God, I'm sorry. I forgive you. That's not what it is. That's not, a, that's not embracing it. You know, it, it's naming what we've done. It's realizing the harm, even if we don't realize all the harm that we've done. Realizing the harm we've done and soaking in the beautiful gift of forgiveness. That he loves us and he, his will is to forgive. So we confess and we embrace it. But we have to let it sit with us a little bit. We have to experience it. So one of the things that, that Christians have done throughout centuries, actually, is what, what's called the Jesus prayer. And it's these words. It's really simple. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, and there are maybe some of you who your grandparents used to say that all the time, or, or maybe you've read about it in some books, or maybe this is the very first time. But this is a way in which I think that for us to receive forgiveness, and, and if you've been a Christian for a while, and I've been a Christian for a while, like we kind of forget how gracious God is sometimes, how much he has saved us from, how much he has redeemed us, how much he's done for us, um, that, that we need to walk in this idea of confession. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And this becomes a part of our daily rhythm, is realizing again and again the grace that we've received. Because so often we become like the parable that Jesus talked about, how we can view the specks in other people's eyes while we are ignoring the log in our own. And what God calls us to is to look and to see where have we fallen short. Sin is really about missing the target. And all of us have missed the target. We've missed the mark. And so there's this daily routine of walking, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so kids in box four, I invite you to draw a picture of something maybe you're sorry that you've done. Um, you don't have to show it to mom or dad, all right? You can just uh, hide it from them and uh, do this, all right? What's something you're sorry that you've done? And, and, and as we sit here, what are, what are you sorry that you've done? What is it even that God is revealing to us now? What is God saying? Yeah, you know that thing that you just explained away? That thing that you did that, that you know, you've, you've had lots of excuses for, that, that missed the mark. Would you confess that to me? Sometimes it's big things, sometimes it's little things, but God is speaking to us if we let him. And one of, this summer, we, we, we talked about the story of Jonah. And their response to God's call to confession is pretty extraordinary. And this is what it says. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God and they called a fast. And they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. Do you, do you see all the symbolism here of just brokenness? Of, of the, that this is not a time of rejoicing, but it's a time of repentance. He issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and of his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that they may turn from his wicked ways and the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. And so here's the story of God, is that God cares deeply about sin. He cared so much about sin that he carried it on himself and the cross in Jesus Christ. What we do hurts God, it hurts other people, it hurts ourselves. And we have to name it and we have to take it seriously. That's both what we do and what others have done to you. And we're going to talk about that later on as well. All right. 
But if we don't embrace it, that we are fallen and God has forgiven us, then this whole story and everything we do from here won't matter. And so what we have to do is we have to sit with our own brokenness. Because here's what I believe, is that weeping will lead us to worship. That whenever we truly come to a place of, Lord, I'm sorry, and there's been times in my life in which this has been true for me, in which I've realized the gravity of my own actions, in which I've realized that what I have done has really hurt people, in that it should hit us in the heart, and that this weeping should also lead us to worship. We are not weeping just because we're, ter- we're not weeping because we're terrible. We have made mistakes. We're created in the image of God. We've corrupted that. We are fallen. We weep over the choices and decisions we've made. But this weeping also leads us to this worship of a God who has forgiven us, who has loved us, who has embraced us. And he wants us to embrace grace and to bring his goodness in this place. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.